Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? And welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, this week in New York. Uh, joining me from San Antonio, Texas, the two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, member of the 86 world champion New York Mets, number one best-selling author, and the voice of Gibby. Tales of a Baseball Lifer, the audiobook that's available everywhere. He's the man who always tells it like it is. We got a lot to talk to him about today. The baseball life from himself, John Gibbons. How you doing, Gibby? Johnny, I'm doing good, man. How are you up there in New New York, huh? I am in Nueva York, my nephew's uh, birthday. Also, the Mets are always home during his birthday. So we were at, uh, at the game yesterday and got to see this phenomenon known as Shohei Otani. I'm telling you, he is a unicorn, this guy. Uh, every at bat, New York fans staring up and cheering him. It, it was like everyone with their camera phones out. It's something like I, I've never seen before. Amazing. Yeah, you know, hey – well, the, the owner there's got the money to sign him. Let's go. Yeah. Well, he's got some issues that we're going to talk about a little bit, uh, you know, with uh, the torn ACL and everything now. But he is a phenomenon, and and he just seems like the nicest guy. He's just happy out there, and uh, he knows he's going to be a very rich man no matter what happens at the end of the season when he enters free agency. But uh, on the other side of the coin, Gibby, I mean, uh, a lot going on this week. We're going to talk about the Jays and – a rough week that they had, and uh, we have a great guest on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. He's a guy that you've called maybe the best hitter that you have ever seen and one of the most prolific Blue Jays in their history. Carlos Delgado will be joining us. And then inspired, as always, by our friends at Miller Lite, we're going to have our weekly roast and toast. But let's get right into the leadoff. Uh, Gibby, it was a rough, uh, rough week for the Jays, uh, losing two or three against Cleveland, two or three against Baltimore. Uh, now two and a half games out of the third wild card spot. Um, are the walls closing in on this team as we head into September? You know, fair question. Uh, they're not. They're not. They don't, they don't hold down. Obviously, uh, that well, a playoff spot right now as it is. I'm not ready to give up on them, and I hope the fans aren't ready to give up on them. You know, um, they're still too good a team. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. You know, they could they could run off 20 wins in the month of September. You know, um, I still I still hold true. I don't I don't believe Seattle's going to be able to maintain this place this pace. Look at the Texas Rangers. They 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 coughed up first place in the division, and they were running away with it. You know, uh, somewhat run away. Houston, the defending champs. They've, they've had their struggles, and, they, you know, so it's all bunched up. I, I'm not making excuses for anything, but I a good month. And you got to remember, too, you know, it's funny. We were talking earlier about, you know, uh, a few months ago, we were talking about all the all the playoff teams might come from the American League East. Now, could, they could all come, other than Tampa, they could come from the West. That's kind of what baseball is, you know, when you do it every day and he's six months. So those, those teams, the, the Rangers, uh, the Astros, Seattle, they're going to be playing each other. Not a lot like they did in the past, but they're going to go head to head. So if the Blue Jays just w- just win some games, they're going to be making up ground on somebody sooner or later, you know. Uh, but they have to have a good month. There's no doubt. They, uh, you know what? This could harden them. You know, I can remember in, in 2016, we had to take it on down to the final weekend and win, win in Boston, where it's very tough to win, especially with those teams back then, and and even win on the last game of the season to to get into the wild card play against Baltimore, right? So sometimes, you know, you you, you battle hardened. It's not going to be easy, you know what? But it's not supposed to be easy. And, and um, but I, I think the fans stick. They're going to stick by them, you know. They, they they do. It's frustrating, but you know they got the fans got to remember. It's more frustrating to those guys in that dugout oh, yeah. than it is to them. Yeah, yeah, and and they're yeah. supporting the team. They're showing up in, in big numbers there. At the yeah, Rockets. oh yeah, they did. They're just supportive of this team. Uh, but you know, you get bitten a little bit too. Uh, there's some injury things going on right now. Obviously. Uh, uh, that compounds the problems a little bit with Bo uh, Bichette leaving the game Sunday with some right quad tightness uh, just eight days after he returned. And then you have Chapman with the finger uh, inflammation that he got in the gym and it, it you know cost him a few games and now they're doing um, other imaging on him. And then, of course, uh, Eric Swanson 
uh, placed on the 15-day IL with uh, thoracic spine inflammation, Gibby. I mean, the team doesn't need you know, this stuff on top of what's going on right now. And, and it makes you think a little bit too, like Paul DeYoung, who was uh, released and now went to San Francisco and is doing well. Maybe that was a little premature. But um, uh, as, as the team's trying to get back to winning ways and put together a streak, uh, does it affect the mentality too when guys are starting to go down left and right and you're, you're seeing, you know, the injury bug hit you at, a, at probably the worst time of the season? Yeah, well, but it, was, it doesn't help. But um, you know, Bo would be the key one, you know, because you know he he was he was out with that uh, aggravated knee not too long ago. You know, you look at the Texas Ranger. We're talking about how they, they hit the skids, right? Josh Josh Young went down, right? The third yeah. baseman, you know, and that's kind of, it's kind of been you know it's kind of followed along that line. Um, you know, as far as Swanee, Swanee's been so good from the bullpen, but they have a lot of depth down there. And of course, you got to tip your hat to him. They signed Chad Green, and he, he you know he's on the horizon. To fill those needs, so that that their bullpen's way. I mean, is really really strong. I don't think that they'll notice that as much, you know. And of course, Chapman, you don't know what's going on there. You need your regulars on the guys that are going to be out there every day. There's, there's no doubt. Um, but you know what? They, the, the, you know, they got a tight club, right? They got a, it's a tight knit group. At least it appears to be. They'll rally together, you know. And they'll be, hey, let's go, boys. And it's an opportunity, you know. It's it's like uh, Schneider, right? You know when yeah. uh, he, he got he got called up, right? He got an opportunity, and look what he's doing. Yeah. Somebody will step up. That's you know that's just the way it's got to be. Espinal, right? He uh, you know he was an all star last year. You know, give him some steady bats. He he might he might have the, a huge month of September. You never know. That's the beauty of baseball, right? You throw him out there, you know. And and uh, I do hope though. I do. I will say one thing. I, I hope they throw David Schneider out there every day, and, and at least till, till, at least till he cools off, you know. Uh, and, and, and ride that pony, man. Yeah, you got to uh, this. This kid has just kind of changed the whole dynamic. Sometimes when he comes up, and you, you know, he's having a phenomenal beginning of his career, which is incredible. Uh, one thing about uh, what's been going on is like manager John Schneider's tone has really changed notably over the last week or so. He's getting more forceful. He's peppering the post-game interviews with, you know, some colorful language, you know, firing a team up. I mean, he's he's in the middle. Like, he's still a young manager. He's still brand new, really, if you look at it, first full season. What is that time, Gibby? Like, you had to experience it yourself where you're like, all right, I got to start saying, uh, you know, I got to get a little bit tougher. I got to be more animated maybe. It's just pure emotion. Uh, what's your assessment now of how Schneider's handling some of the adversity and as we head into this really, this critical month of September? You know, I mean, it, managing's a hard job. You know, we all have our different personalities. Even you heard Terry Francona talking the other day, this may be it for him, right? Because these jobs are hard and they beat you up, right? And you live and die with the scoreboard. And naturally the team, you know, they've fallen out of a guaranteed playoff spot right at the moment. There's a month left. The key is you got to be who you are. You know, if you, if you, and I, and I, you know, I, I've managed for a number of years. I've been a coach and seen other managers. I've, I've been a player, played for many different managers. You want them to stay true, true to who they are, right? And, and, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's the key. So I think Schneid just needs to, hey, this is who I am. I believe in these guys. Let's go get them, boys. You know, um, and let's, hey, we'll hold this thing together. But you know you. Uh, it's easy when you get frustrated. Now there's t- there's times you got to snap. There's no doubt about it. But you got to you got to be who you are. You can't become somebody else. Or, or you know what they they see right through that. Uh, you're listening to the Gibby Show, presented by our friends at Miller Lite. And Gibby, as the official beer of the MLB, Miller Lite wants to send you to the World Series for the month of August. Visit your local Canadian brew house for a Miller Lite and enter for your chance to win a VIP experience to this year's World Series, visit www.millerlite.ca forward slash 2023 World Series contest for more information. Good luck and enjoy that Miller Lite. Hey, I'll tell you, that, I don't think that there's a better promotion out there than that, especially if you're a baseball fan, right? You know? In, uh, Who would want to go to the World sponsors? Series? Yeah, you know, I mean that's just kind of a trip of a lifetime and a special time. And all you gotta do is all you gotta do is down a couple Miller lights and throw in a 
<laughs> go find up on the website, and uh, you could be going to this year's World Series. It's been a tough, uh, tough week, of course, uh, but everyone talks about you know the soft schedule, and uh, now that the Jays are hitting this, uh, uh, the schedule has uh, all teams who are under five hundred. I mean, Washington coming in to finish up the homestand. Then they go on the road to Colorado and Oakland, uh, way under 500 for both of them. And then they come home and they play Kansas City. But at this point of the season, Gibby, I mean, does that even matter? Soft schedule, strong schedule, tough schedule, easy schedule? Because now it's crunch time. And does it matter that you have a little bit of a softer schedule going into the last month of the season? Johnny, yes and no, right? There's, you know, there's reasons some of these teams are, are in the bottom of their divisions and all that, right? It, it, and, you know, mainly because of the depth of their talent, right? A lot of them are, you know, uh, rebuilding that kind of thing. Uh, but they're still in the big leagues. They're still big league players. And you look at them, they're all, all those teams are playing pretty good right now, other than maybe Colorado. They, they sneak in a win every now and then. Washington's been playing really good baseball. They've been, they've been causing some problems with teams out there. Yes. You know, um, you know, Kansas City, Kansas City's in most of the games. You know, they just got swept out there in Seattle, but they were in most of those games, you know. And then even before that, you know, uh, uh, so Oakland, o- Oakland's got enough talent out there. They, they get, and it all really only comes down to if somebody pitches well against you, I don't care what the team's record is, you know, it's going to be a tough night. That's just, that's just the way it is, you know. Um, so the the problem is well, I saw some the, you know the the Texas Rangers the Houston and even Seattle you know there a lot of their play their schedules are ranked right up there with the Blue Jays and you know the toughness of schedule you know how they you know how they got a statistic or a, a grade on everything now right so um, bottom line is you can't get caught up in that although you don't mind seeing it you know you might probably tells you you're not going to face as many good starting pitchers out of that group as what is is reality in their bullpens. Because they don't put the money into it, right? Because they're rebuilding. But you still got to go out and beat them. And, and, uh, but on any given night, there's no guarantees. You know, everybody thinks, well, we should, if you just named off those four teams, we should win 12 of those games against the four teams or whatever. No, it's not that easy. Well, hopefully the New York Mets can help out the Jays this week. I'm here in New York and they're coming in. Uh, Texas is coming in for three and then Seattle. So I'll be at some of those games, uh, rooting on the Mets, of course, and let's uh, let's see if we can uh, help the Jays out this week. Uh, our New York team can help the Jays out because uh, at this point of the season, let's every game is critical. Uh, we're hoping for uh, a good finish for the Jays, and now, uh, really, I mean, if to win ninety games, they got to go. Um, they really got to go uh, twenty-one and ten to finish at ninety games. You know, with their pitching staff, that's not unheard of. No, you know, let's get, let's go, we go back to the schedule you're just talking about. Yeah. I got no, you know what? They may have the best month they've ever had this month. And you know what? We'll, we'll be looking back and go, hey, remember in back at the end of, end of August, everybody's going, and yeah. you know what? Then they might catch fire and, and then at the right time. Well, that's the beauty of the game. It has changed so much. Nobody remembers that Tampa got off to a historic start, do they? No. No. And what about Pittsburgh? <laughs> Pittsburgh was doing exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. Anything that could happen. Anything could happen. That's right. That'll wrap up the leadoff, and now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Twist up your snack time with Tim's new savory twist, served warm in four cheese or everything seasoning. There are buttery and flaky pastry, freshly baked throughout the day. Snack and go with Tim's new savory twist today. They sound delicious. Hey, dang, Johnny, they got a great menu. You know, I mean, they, I mean, they're constantly changing things. You know, that they're offering different things. So, hey, you're never going to get bored by going there, right? No, something for everybody, for sure. Our friends over at uh, Tim's, uh, always a pleasure to talk about what's new on the menu and what comes back on the menu. It's always a pleasure to talk about uh, Tim's and, uh, of course, the sponsor of Gabbing with Gibby. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on one of the true legends of Blue Jays baseball and really one of the true great greats of the game. He was awarded the Silver Slugger Award three times, two-time All-Star, Hank Aaron Award winner, Roberto Clemente Award recipient, accomplished the feat of hitting four home runs in one game 
back in 2003, becoming the 15th player in the history of the game to do that. Played with the Blue Jays from 1993 to 2004, and he is one of the Blue Jays who has been honored in the level of excellence, and it is an honor to bring on to Gabbing with Gibby, Carlos Delgado. Carlos, an honor to meet you, my friend. Uh, same here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. It's great to catch up with you guys. It's good to see Gibby, you know, all a TV personality now. Huh? Who would have thought it? Who would have thought about that? Huh? Go hey, here. Hey, Carlos, obviously this, what this tells you is anybody can do a podcast. See, anybody. <laughs> Just get you. Hey, it's a true honor but, for me. But, but but not everybody can manage a baseball team, and you have you got the experience to go to your podcast. Some of these some of these people with podcasts, <laughs> they're talking. And they got no idea what they're saying. Oh, hey Carlos, I appreciate that. But I got to start this off. Number one, there's not a better guy that I ever came across in my career. I mean, just Thank just you. a first class individual. That's the most important thing. And you know what? You know, from the baseball aspect of it, I've never I've never been around a better hitter in my career, and I've been around a lot of good ones. I've seen a lot of good ones when I was my playing days, and then when I was a coach and a manager. So that a hey, uh, that thank you. I've never seen anybody do it so easy and be, be such an intelligent guy. But listen, what what are you doing these days, my friend? You know, I'm I'm in Puerto Rico, happily retired, <clears throat> still busy. I got two kids. Uh, my son is 16 years old. Uh, my daughter is 14, so dealing with teenagers is just a whole new ball game. You know, you need a, di a different language. You know, you didn't, you didn't get, they, they didn't prepare you for that. So that's that's good. Uh, I still spend a lot of time doing charity work for the last 23 years. I have been a part of an organization that we founded, a non-for-profit called Extra Bases. Uh, that keeps us busy. You know, we try to impact the lives of. Uh, young kids uh, in, in Puerto Rico, uh, mostly inner city kids, hit kids that have been abandoned um, and uh, after school program, that type of thing. So that's that's always fun. Uh, uh, it's very rewarding. And then on the side, we do a little bit of real estate. So uh, I'm always I'm always busy. Uh, I always got things to do. The only thing is like, I come home every night, sleep in my own bed. I don't have to go from hotel to hotel, which is a nice break. Oh gosh, yeah, that's right. That's one of the, you know, baseball. Everybody thinks baseball is all glamour and uh, glitz and glamour, and it's it's a wonderful life, and it is. But it's rough. It's it's you you know you're 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 from Puerto Rico. You're living in different cities now. You're on the move constantly, and when that day comes when you finally retire, you kind of exhale a little bit, and it's it's not too bad. Yeah, it's 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 really not bad. You know, I I love the competition. I love the game. I'm not saying anything bad about it. Uh, but it, it, it's taxing, you know. At the end of the yes. day, you're out there for 160 games in 180 days, uh, and you travel from city to city, you know. And then in April you go to Detroit; it's freezing, and then in August <laughs> you go to Texas; it's smoking hot. And 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 you gotta, you know, you gotta seven o'clock. You gotta roll out there, do what you gotta do, continue to to maintain and do your preparation so your body can uh, deal with that load. But you know, when you're 21, you don't you're not thinking about it. now I'm thinking about like a 50-year-old, you know what I'm saying? But when you're 21, <laughs> you don't care. You just go and play and hang out and do what you gotta do. I mean, it was a wonderful life. Don't don't take me wrong. But like you can say, like towards the end of your life of your career, you go like, man, another another flight, another <laughs> hotel. What room what room am I in? You know, you get that nine-day road trip, that day road trip with three hotels, like. Can I go to the front desk and ask what my room number is, please? So I'm kind of lost. But, you know, it's all, it's all fun. You know, you run into wonderful people. Uh, you get great teammates. And, you know, you, you enjoy it. I mean, this is it's a beautiful life. But it's, it's not easy. Oh, no. Hey, well, hey, but you got to remember, too, you're for, you live in paradise, man. You come from paradise, right? It's, you go to some of these places a little bit. Hey, one thing, one thing people don't know, because you're in, are you still in Aguadilla? Uh, I moved. I moved out of here about twelve years ago. I, I live in a small town called Dorado, just outside of San Juan. Uh, it only takes me about an hour and twenty minutes to get to Aguadilla, where my parents live. Uh, my sister and my brother still there, and we keep a house there. I mean, it's nice to go home. I, I say home is where the family is. So, right. um, 
you know, if the kids don't have any activities or anything, we get on a Friday afternoon, we head to Aguadilla, spend the weekend, you know, hang out with mom and dad, and then come back on a Sunday for the kids to go back to school. So, and the holidays and stuff, we spend them in Aguadilla. So Aguadilla is still home, you know what I mean? But Dorado seem a little more convenient, you know, a little closer to San Juan. Some of the stuff that we do happens to be in San Juan. So I get I get the best of both worlds now. Hey, hey, hey. I've talked to you about this before, but a lot of people don't realize this. I lived in Aguadilla area in 1960. I was born in 62. My dad was in the Air Force. He was, yep. he was stationed Baby down there. Yeah, right, right. In, uh, in Aguadilla. And my mother always said, I want to die down here. This is paradise. Now she she's down here suffering in hot te- San Antonio, Texas now. But, <laughs> but yeah, Dorado Beach. Oh, man, that was, that was some good times. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's you got the water, you got the mountains. Oh, it's hot. I'm not saying hot, but it's it's a beautiful place to live. Uh, hey, Johnny, what do you got for Carlos? Well, so much. I mean, uh, what a career! Spent the majority of your career in Toronto as a J, spanning '93 to 2004. And when you look back, how special was that time in Canada? And uh, do you wish that you could have spent your entire career in Toronto? You know what? I always say Toronto was and is like a second home to me. This is the team that gave me an opportunity to break into professional ball. And if you look at my career, you, pro- you probably say, oh, this guy had a good career, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I got sent down a couple of times before I established myself. I switched position two times before I established myself. So I got called up in 1993. I caught one game. Uh then in, in 1994, uh, I made the team out of spring training playing left field, which I never played left field before. Good thing I could hit. Um, and then I got sent down. That's the year of strike. And then I come back in 95. Uh, I'm a part-time DH while I transition to first base. So I will always appreciate the organization for being patient with me, for giving me the opportunity to establish myself. Yeah, from 1996 on, I was able to get better at, at, at first base. I was able to establish myself as a, as a hitter, so I kind of earned it. And then, obviously, the relationship that I did over those 10, 11 years with the fans was fantastic. I think uh, Toronto is a wonderful place. Um, we, I still enjoy it, enjoy the, my visits there. I still have good friends there. So... In an ideal world, you say, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to play there my whole career. But, you know, sometimes things change. I, I had the opportunity to go to New York, which is a, a, a great uh, venue. Uh, gave me the opportunity to be in my, in my first playoffs in 2006. Uh, you playing in front of a crowd where, with a lot of Passion, drive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not for the right way. How do you compare the, the fans in Toronto to those in New York? Like I said uh, before we started, I was at every one of those playoff games in 2006, and I was at City Field yesterday. And, and the passion of the fans in New York and the passion of the fans in Toronto, what's the difference between the two fan bases, John, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the the fans in Toronto are not passionate. I, what I would say is the intensity. For some reason, the New Yorkers are a little louder, and <laughs> they might be a little rougher around the edges, which is okay. You know what I mean? It's just you know they 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 want to win. They 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 know the game. Uh, the the expectations are high. You know. Especially yeah. for the Mets, you know, like across town, you got the Yankees. They got the, what, 26, 27 championships. I don't even know how many. But, you know, you got the Mets and, you know, like more blue collar. So the, I think the intensity and the, and, the, and the noise is a little different. I'm not saying that they're either more passionate than the Blue Jays or anything else. I'm just saying that uh, it's just it's, it's different. Uh, they're they're a little rougher, you know. Canadians are much more polite, you know. Hey, I'm gonna say it. For, I'm gonna say it for you. They're miserable up there. I've been there. <laughs> but you know, I got nothing to say about about that that Blue Jay fan base because you know what? Oh. They welcomed me. They supported me. 
They made me feel like home. Uh, yes. So it, it was a lot of fun to get out there and, and try to put on a good show for them. And Carlos, when, uh, Carlos, when, you know, you talked about, you know, when you started out, you know, you position change and all that. In 1992, were you and Dunny, you, you were a catcher. Correct. Was it 92? Because that was my first uh, job coaching. I was with the New York Mets as a roving catch instructor. And I was down in St. Lucie watching the Mets team. And they were playing Dunedin. And uh, uh -huh. I, in, uh, I'm, I'm watching. I said, in the, you're back there. You guys are on the fast. Hey, this catcher, this is a big dude back there, right? Mm -hmm. And then I saw you come up. Then like, Two at-bats, I think it was. You, you whistled a line drive. You know, those fields in, in Florida, the spring training fields are big fields. They're big. Oh, you, you whistled a line drive off the left center field wall, and I'm going, you got to be kidding me, man. And then I think you hit one at the same spot, but to right, you pulled this one. And honest to God, it, said, it crossed my mind. It said, I said, this guy, you better get him out from behind the plate, man. You better put him at first base or something. The guy swings a bat like that. You know, it's like, golly. So that's where, hey, you didn't know I was so smart, did you? Yeah, I know. You should have told me. You would have saved, you would have saved me a couple of years of my career. Exactly. Exactly. Every everything happens for a reason. It's okay. That was a fun year in in uh, in the Florida State League. I would say that was the year that I kind of got to know myself a little better as a hitter and and develop power. Because before that, I played like South Atlantic League and stuff. I, I was learning how to, hit, but I didn't have that power. So I kind of started to understand that I didn't have to pull everything, stay inside the ball, and I was able to drive some balls to the opposite field. And I think that's that's the key for for a hitter. You know, once you realize that you can go up or oppo, you know, you don't have to pull everything. So it opens up a lot. You know, you can see the ball longer. You don't have to feel like you have to cheat to get to the fastball. Uh, and I think that was the turning point. Obviously, minor leagues have, and the big leagues are a little different, but I, I think it's important for hitters to get to know themselves all the time. And I think that process kind of clicked in 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 1992 in a Florida State League. From there, I was able to be more consistent with uh, with, with with my swing. Obviously, when you get to the big league level, you 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 start you continue to refine your swing, your approach. I mean, it's different. They can make adjustments quicker, and, and not just. The adjustments, it's the execution of the adjustments. Because I can say, I say, well, I can pitch him outside and get him out. But if I don't hit it outside, I won't be able to get him out. You know, and, and that's it. That's always the battle. And I tell young hitters, you know, doesn't matter. They have a scouting report, but they have to execute their part. So it's important for you to execute your part. You know what I mean? It's hard to hit that nasty pitch on the black. You know, just have to hit mistakes. And you got to be ready for that and got to be ready to execute that. And it's always a learning process. And, and it's always have been for me. Uh, I'm glad it started a little earlier than for, for some other hitters. But it's always a work in progress, always a work in progress. You just can't just have the same approach, same swing for your whole career. You know, some days you're not feeling that well, you start getting older, your bat speed is not the same as when you were 21. So you have to think about the game. You have to see what's in front of you and kind of read the room so you can make the adjustments accordingly. Yeah, Car Carlos, you were a career 280 hitter, power hitter. I mean, it's hard to find guys that hit 280 in the game. The, the I'm, emba game. I'm, embarrassed, I'm embarrassed to say that now, Gibby. I can't say 280. <laughs> Nobody cares about average anymore. Yeah. Nobody cares about RBIs. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, let me tell you the most, one of the most impressive things I have ever seen in this game. In the, in, you, you would keep a book, booklet on the bench. And I remember watching, one day watching, like after in the bat, you going down, I'm going, what the heck's he doing, man? Is he writing note to some, some fan or something or what? <laughs> And, and, attorney, we, and uh, somebody told me he, he, he writes down the tendency of a pitcher, how the pitcher pitched him that at bat. And I never seen anybody do that. I, I still haven't seen anybody do that. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's, if that's not ahead of the game, I don't know what is. Well, I, I tell, I'll tell you exactly what's in the book, you know. I will write down every pitch that they threw in that at bat and their result. Uh, I will down who was a catcher that day. Oh, and obviously, who was the pitcher? So then, 
I, I try to pick up tendencies. You know what I mean? If I'm going like three at bats, first pitch is fastball away by the fourth at bat, I'm I'm not guessing, but I'm estimating that it might that might be it. Or if I'm going through a series, you know, I, I go to Philadelphia. You know, when I was with the Mets, I went to Philadelphia. That was the only thing that pitched me in. So I knew that. So I would sit in on first pitch and I try to yank one foul, try to get him out of there to open up for the rest of the series. Um, you know, some pitchers would like to start off soft, you know, a little get me over curveball. And over the course of 600 at-bats, you're going to forget all things. But once you write it down, you can always look back and I say, oh, hold on. They're starting me, uh, starting me up hard and finishing out soft and the results are now or, or the other way around. It doesn't matter. I just kind of wanted to have a sense of next time I face that guy or that team, what tendency they were using. You know, it, it wasn't rocket science. You know, I just it was data. I just wanted to see what was out there. Obviously, if I saw something else, like if I see a guy tipping, I would write it down. So next time I know, I knew exactly what I was looking for. If uh, I, we can't do that no more, but if if we got the guys from second base, you know, the catcher was lazy and say, you second sign for nine innings, you know, next time you see it, you start looking for second sign, uh, things things like that. So I don't think that the actual note of one game, it was anything magic. It was just how you the information you got out of the book, you know what I mean? I, yeah. And I was, that's, that's, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for tendencies. I was looking where I was successful. That I was looking, you know, whatever edge that will give me because, okay, we get a scout report and then you get left-handed hitters and right-handed hitters. So it's a left-handed David Ortiz or Andy Chavez. So it was more personalized for me. Uh, now they got, they got a lot more information. You can plug in your name and it will give you like a customized scout report. But back when I was playing, it wasn't, it wasn't as sophisticated. I mean, it was still good, but, you know, I want to know how they were pitching to me. Hey, you were analytics before analytics, CD. <laughs> I was a good analytics. You know, yeah, she- <laughs> they got like four different alphabets that I don't understand now. <laughs> Uh, you know the game is changed. The technology is changing. I think I think information is good, uh, but I think the most important thing is what do you do with that information. You know, right. at the end of the day, I can spell out all these numbers and all these stats and all these formulas, but if I, if they don't mean anything to me, I mean, what am I gonna do? Also, another thing, especially when I talk to younger guys, I say, okay, from those numbers that you have, what do they help you? during your swing and what a result of after you hit the ball. You know what I'm saying? Exit velocity, exit angle. Yeah, it's good to know, but how do you make it that your angle is more consistent? Uh, you know, like if I if my exit velocity is 105 at 30 degrees, of course it's going to go out, you know? <laughs> but how am I, I going to get there consistently? Right. And how do I know my swing that it works not necessarily in what is normal for the game. You know what I'm saying? Because every every swing is different. I, I, I love information. I love to know, but also how much can you process? You know, if you get right. a really smart guy, you give him a bunch of information, it might be good. But if he, you manage some guys that can't read. We play with guys that could not read or write. So what are you going to give him? Give him 10, 10 pages of scouting report? So it might as well be in Chinese. So, so exactly. I, I like to be careful. I, I do have a great deal of respect for the game. I have I got a great deal of respect for, for the information. But it's what do we do with that information and how does it make how does it make me better? Right. Well, hey, I'm going to yeah. throw some numbers at you. Said, we just mentioned a minute ago, <laughs> I said 280, which guys would die for 280, but that doesn't matter in the game anymore. Or RBIs, right? You know, for some reason. Yeah. I, you know, the, the big argument is, well, it's it's a product of opportunities. No. Yeah, yes, maybe you're hitting the middle of the lineup, but you're hitting there for a reason. But you're not going to take some uh, little little short second baseman and hit him clean up and give him more opportunities to drive and runs because he's not going to do it like you could do it. So anyway, yeah. that's Mark. All right, here we go. <coughs> the, 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 the numbers that matter in today's game, right? On-base percentage, big, right? All right. Yeah. Your career on-base – was 383 
right? 380 by the, the league standard is incredible, right? That's the top of the line. You exceeded that. 383. Okay. That's your career, 17 years. Slugging, the other big one, you're some 546. 550 is the top, right? Incredible. Okay, so yeah. put, you put, those, put those together and you get the OPS, which is the big one, 929. 900 is like, wow. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. 17 years of that, big man. You know what? You belong, you belong in the Hall of Fame. There's no, no, no question in my mind. I think it's, it's coming. Maybe you should call Cooperstown, put in a good word for me. <laughs> I guess I guess I guess some people don't like me enough. <laughs> I, I got less than five percent first time around, but you know, I'll t- I'll tell you one thing, and I don't want to get off subject here. You know, there's one thing I'm very proud of, uh, Gibby. I'm not. I mean, I'm saying I, I think the Hall of Fame is just the greatest honor. You know what I'm saying? But what's really important to me is that I was able to go out there year in and year out, and be respectful, be honest, be a good player, trust in my preparation, and I play with passion. At the end of the day, I can put my head on the pillow and sleep like a baby because I can look back and I say I did everything that I could in order to to have a, a good career, respect the game, respect my teammates, and respect yes. the fans. Um, so, you know, sometimes sometimes I wonder, I look back, I say, man, was I that bad that I got 3.5% first time around? And then I'm, I'm going like, whoa, okay, maybe I get maybe I get another chance. You never know. Oh, you're, you're going to get that. You know, 473 home runs. Hey, you're, you know, the veterans are going to put you in there. The guys that play the game and the managers, mm-hmm. that, that, you know what? To me, that's, you know what? That's, that's, the, that's who you want putting you in if you want to know the truth. I mean, the guys that, have, you know. That would be great. Your peers. That, that would be a, a great, uh, an awesome recognition. So we shall see. Exactly. Johnny, what do you got for him? Then we got to turn the blues here in a minute. Got it. I mean, you, you talked a little bit about the analytics and how there's so much of that going on today. Uh, there's a lot of changes in the game that's taken place over the last uh, few years to speed it up. Uh, do you watch much baseball today? And the uh, second part of that question would be, what do you think of uh, – all the changes that are going on in the game today. <clears throat> well, to answer to answer your question, this I haven't watched a whole lot of game, a whole lot of games. I usually don't watch a lot of games, except the playoff race and the playoffs. I I I, I like to watch that. Just you know, the intensity is a little better. The quality is is a little better. Obviously, a lot of the changes that were introduced, uh, I like some. Some I don't care for. You know, as a hitter, I can tell you. I would have loved not to have chipped, you know. Uh, but he, you know, they, I, he was there when I was there. Now he's not there. As a first baseman, I'll tell you, I would appreciate the bigger back, you know, from a safety uh, point of view. Uh, we all like a faster-paced game. I mean, he's uh, the pick, pitch clock at what it is. He said, "Perfect." We don't know yet. We're about to find out. Especially in the playoffs, when you know guys start shaking and say, "What do I throw now?" You know, because you hate to you hate to lose a game on on, on a ball because it was just too, took too long. Uh, I, I think there's some beauty to the game. Obviously, you don't you don't want to you don't want to play behind the energy soccer that takes a minute and a half between pitches. But you know, it's twenty seconds too quick. We we don't know. Um, it's weird to me to find that guy on second base uh, uh, in the 10th inning, you know? We like, I don't know, um, maybe That's because... That's the little league rule. Huh? That's the little league rule. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I another thing that I, I, I don't see position players pitch, you know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, manage your bullpen, you know? <laughs> get your starters to, to, to get you in the 5th inning. And there's days that are going to be not great, but suck it up, you know? Send somebody down, call somebody up. I mean, it's easier for me to say it from my couch. Well, but <laughs> you know, we we didn't see that. You know what I mean? It's like almost like every other day you get a position guy throwing forty-five miles an hour, throwing you know softballs out there. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's great for the game. Ah, maybe fast, but who wouldn't watch that? Um, having said that. I love baseball. You know what I mean? I think it's just a beautiful game. I think it's a perfect game. 
everything about it is just such a challenge, you know. Uh, and, you know, times change, things evolve, and we got to get used to new things. Sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to change, and sometimes you just have to give it a try. But, you know, they have to kind of grow on you. And then some things that you're kind of, you feel strongly about uh, that until they prove you wrong, you won't, you won't believe it. But uh, this time of the year, things start getting excited, uh, you know, wildcard race, the playoff race, the, and, the, and the actual playoffs. So I, I will definitely watch a little more. Yeah, I got, uh, I got one final uh, question for you, and then I'll turn it over to Gibby. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite memory of Gibby? Or any stories you could share about the time uh, you guys were together? I'll tell you one thing. I love talking to Gibby at first base. When he was my first base coach, you know, I got to first base. I, I held your gloves. <laughs> I gave, you know, I, I handed my batting gloves. And, and, you know, in that little moment, we talked about, you know, what was going to happen next at bat based on what just happened. And I love the fact he was so positive that I know you're going to get him. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes that's, that's what you need. You need your coach to believe in you, to tell you, yeah, you can do it. You know, so I love I love his spirits. He's always in good spirits, you know, good energy, laid back. So I I, I enjoy my the time that I spent. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with him as a, as, as a manager. But when he was when he was my coach, you know, we had a, some interesting uh conversations over that over there at first base and, and carlos it, i was like the only you know we used to call that the, the first base coach the get back coach because all we do is go get back 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 <laughs> but i was like i was usually uh that first base coaching job is is uh saved for some ex-star player in the game right you look you see all the names on the back and a lot of these guys were great players coaching first i was like the only guy out there that wasn't that guy and the people going who the heck is that you know but I got to tell you what, and I want you to comment on this, and then we're going to let you go. I was sitting over there at the first base coach the night you hit four home runs. Mm -hmm. right? Most incredible thing I've ever seen. It's like, gosh, dog, are you kidding me? It's like, you know, to tell us a little bit about that, will you? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Gibby. The, that was a special day. And I'm going to try to make a long story short. That day I was, feel, I was sick as a dog, you know. I went out for batting practice, took two rounds of batting practice, and went back in. I was actually I was take I was on, on meds for because I had a back cold that day. So I remember going to the changing, going to the room, got my medicine, lay down, and I told our trainer, say, wake me up at 650. <laughs> All I have to do is put my put my pants on and and get my and get my shoes on. And, and sure enough, I was there and I kept telling myself, Gibby. Don't try to do too much. Just make contact. Jorge Sosa was pitching for the Devil Rays. Right. So going in, we I had all his pitches. Like the second home run that I hit off Jorge Sosa that day, he made four home runs in a row. The last, the previous two at bats, I hit home runs off of him. Oh. So not in that game, obviously, but my previous at bat, I had home runs off of Jorge Sosa. So. First at bat, you know, I, I see a fastball, boom, got him. And then I kept telling myself, don't try to do too much, nice and easy. Second at bat was a changeup, home run. I'm like, okay, don't try to do too much, don't try to do too much. Then I'm facing Kennedy, the left-handed. I'll tell you yes. one thing, that guy owned me. He used to throw me sinkers down and in, sinkers down and in, ground ball to second, ground ball to second. He hung me a curveball, boom, got him, talking about mistakes. and. I'm going now. I, from that moment on, I don't remember nothing. I don't remember running the bases on my third home run. I was just in La La Land. Fourth home run, Lance Carter, and this is changeup master. You know he wasn't going to fool you. So I sat on a changeup and, and and got him. I don't remember flipping the bat. I don't remember running the base. I don't remember nothing. But I'll tell you one thing: special day. All these whatever congratulations, phone calls, interviews, blah blah blah. Next day. Next day was like two hours later. Got to the ballpark, 0 for 4. Nobody talked about the 0 for 4. That was just like 0 for 4, whatever. You know, it's a crazy game. It's almost, it felt like game was over, four home runs, put your head on the pillow, woke up, and 0 for 4. Uh, and, you know, all evens out at the end. And plus, you were sick as a dog, too, man. Oh, my God. I didn't know all that, man. That is, that is, that is so awesome. But, well, Carlos, no, listen, pal. We sure, we, we sure appreciate you taking some time to come on our show here. 
Gideon, John, thanks for having me. It's always it's always nice to spend some time, talk a little baseball, talk a little smack. Uh, I, I wish you the best. I can always say, you know, it is a great pleasure. Yeah, you know what? Hey, they don't come any better than you, my friend. And we'll see you down the road. Thank you for sure. All right, pal. Thank you, Carlos. Take care. That wraps up another Gabbing with Gibby. Brought to you by our friends uh, by Tim Hortons. And I'll tell you, another one, John. I mean, what a classy guy. First and foremost, Carlos Delgado. Classy guy. Great storyteller. Very passionate. And, uh, John, you just outdo yourself every week with the guests we're gabbing with Gibby. And this one, this one was really special. You know, John, he's just, uh, you know, Carlos has always been one of the good guys, right? You know, very intelligent. Got got his whole, he's got his life together, put it that way. Yes. But, you know, that's the most important thing about who he is. But then, you know, he was a, he was a tremendous baseball player, right? And he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But he really, he could he could do anything he wanted to. You could you could tell that years ago. You know, when he's still a young man uh, playing the game, and in, in the, you know, he, he he talks about you know the charity work he does because he cares. You know, he he cares he cares about everybody. You know, and uh, one of my all time favorites, no doubt about it. You know, hey, best hitter I ever saw. Yeah. Absolutely. Great guest. Of and you know what, though? Hey, he was a pretty darn good first baseman, too. You never get recognized for that. Yeah, he was, a, he was a good first baseman. Oh, yeah. Well, I used to love watching him play, you know, and the time that he spent with the, the Mets here. And I always wondered what he was writing down in those books. And, and we got the answer. So, yeah, very, very cool. Oh, yeah. You know, he didn't get, get a, a lot of postseason appearances, that, which I think hurt him, but he, he never really had the supporting cast like some of these teams, you know. He was almost a one-man show. You know, he had some other guys around, Vernon Wells and some other – but, you know, not enough to counter the, back then the Yankees and, and the uh, Red Sox when they were, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox. But you know what? He he, al- he always produced. He played every stinking day. He was out there in the uh, – you know, but so when he finally did get in the postseason with the Mets, the two series he played, he hit four home runs. He slugged over, you know, 1,000. Amazing. You know, yeah. Yeah, so. and uh, just an incredible body of work over the course of his career and an elite. He has an elite numbers. Elite. He's got Hall of Fame numbers. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's go, people. Veterans Committee will, will, will do justice. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Now, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this week's Roast and Toast. And, John, we'll start off with the roast. Uh, Fans of the Los Angeles Angels went wild on social media this week when the team revealed that baseball's best player and top attraction, Shohei Otani, has a torn ACL in his elbow, which will probably lead to a second Tommy John surgery at some point, and he will not pitch again, at least for the rest of this season. He continues to DH, uh, and then he'll decide uh, once they get the MRI done. Uh, Angel fans uh, flooded social media with cries that the team should not try to resign him now, should have traded him when they had the chance. Now, with all that Otani has done, not just for the Angels over the course of his time there, but for the game of baseball, this was really not the right way to show your gratitude towards this once-in-a-lifetime athlete and someone who's represented the game so well. So give me for this... We roast the fans of the Angels. Yeah, you know, you know, Johnny, they're just angry right now that he that he may not play for him again. You know, um, but you, you, I don't think you heard anybody screaming and hollering when they when they were, you know, they they held on to him and they thought they had a chance and they made a lot of a lot of uh, trades just to try to you know, yeah. to, to bolster their chances of getting in there. But really, I mean, it's common knowledge that the the owner out there he loves star players, and there's nothing wrong with that. And he 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 he's got no problem paying people, and he 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 didn't want to let him go. Obviously, you know. Uh, so you know that that's that's you know that's professional sports. You know, you, you sometimes you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, we we talk about like in the in the yesterday's Blue Jays game. You know, if, whether you bun or hit hit a, hit away three over some, sometimes you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Your your best moves sometimes backfire, and your worst moves just come out smelling like a rose. You never know. But the, so so bottom line, if you end up winning somehow, you get in there, all's forgotten. But if you don't, yeah. you better have some thick skin. 
Yeah, that is very true. And uh, any any of the other 29 uh, major league teams would certainly welcome uh, Otani, even if he was one-dimensional rather than the two-dimensional player he is, because he's still going to be an elite hitter regardless. Uh, but we're going to toast very special team. Uh, the 2023 Little League World Series wrapped up this past weekend in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, with California winning against Curacao of the Caribbean Islands with a walk-off home run by a dude. A, a, his name was Lewis Lapp. He had five home runs in the series. He's over six feet tall. Final score, six to five. It was the eighth Little League World Series title for California, the most of any state since the championship game was introduced in 1947. So for this, Gibby, why don't we toast the 2023 Little League World Series champions, California? You know, Johnny, I, I was watching that game. You know, and I turned it in the, at the time. It was like, I think, the fourth inning, maybe go into the fifth inning. And California was up 5-1. to one. And Curacao, a guy comes up, bases loaded, hits a grand slam to tie it, right? Now I'm thinking, well, how many innings do they play here? I thought, I thought it got to be seven, right? But I guess it's just six. six. So I flipped around. I come back to there and, and uh, about to start thinking, well, they, they play seven. And, this, and uh, for some reason, it was muted on my TV or something. And uh, so the, I see the coach talking to this big old kid. I go, dang. And then they flashed on there. He's got had the most home runs in, in the, the tournament this year. Mm-hmm. He steps in there, and the guy threw one in there. Good, great swing too, man. He pulled yeah. them hands in, and, and uh, yeah, I tell you, talk about you know who knows this kid. This kid may not play baseball is is, is you know uh, professionally, or he may not even want to. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But what he's going to go down in history. He's going to that's yes. he's going to remember that and his teammates, and uh, he's, that's that's going to be shown like uh, all those great highlights. It may not be shown like Batista's bat flip, but it's going to be shown. Yeah, I invite everybody who hasn't seen it yet to go on YouTube. You can find it there and everywhere else, uh, even the MLB.com uh, uh, app. I mean, what an exciting moment for California. and What a great walk-off and what a great call by the announcers as well. So we uh, we tip our cap and we toast, the, once again, the 23 Little League World Series champions. Uh, Gibby, that'll wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. For John Gibbons, this is John Arezzi. We'll talk more baseball with you right here next week. Have a great week, everyone, and go Blue Jays.